We have been, uh, for six weeks, I think we were in the sermon series called Keep the Change. And uh, last week was our last installment of that message series. And today, we're starting a brand new one. So, you know, if, if you missed the last one, that's all right. You're starting over again, right? New fresh, new start, new sermon series. You don't want to miss any of them, okay? But we're going to talk about this topic here, and it's, it's kind of comical a little bit, but it's when pigs fly, all right? How many of you ever heard that uh, statement before, right? When pigs, usually it's said in a sarcastic manner, in a sarcastic tone, because it's usually something that what? typically or more than likely, is just simply not going to happen. It's not going to take place. You know, and I would agree, uh, or actually, I'm not. I'm going to actually argue about that because I believe today that we serve a God, as I mentioned before within my prayer and that we just sung about, is a miracle-working God. I do. I believe that God, even though we read through the scriptures of so many things that he has done and so many miracles that we see from Genesis all the way through what? Revelation, that it didn't stop there, that God is still moving and doing great and wondrous things in the lives of not only his people, but in humanity. Now, I would like to ask you this. How many in here could honestly say, you know what? You need God to intervene in something in your life. Seriously. You need God to do the miraculous. You're wanting to see him do something tremendous. You know, some might say, you know, um, Pastor, you know, I I don't know. I've I've never really uh, seen a a miracle happen within my life. And and I want to argue that with you and say, well, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you got the greatest miracle of all time. Amen. You have an eternal relationship with the Savior. But I I believe... uh, the, the, the term miracle, though, oftentimes gets really downplayed, right? It's kind of like this, going to Walmart. Follow me here. I hate Walmart. I don't, excuse me, I don't like Walmart, all right? Let's get correct on that. I don't, I displeasure Walmart. I, it's not my thing, okay? Because you go there and it's like, you know what I found out, though, the other day? There's this new program with Food Lion that you get, like, shop and earn money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That is the greatest thing that I've come across in technology. I'm just telling you, all right? But anyway, I don't like to go to Walmart, and, and uh, so, you know, sometimes people will go, and, and they'll be like, it was a miracle because I got a front row parking spot. That wasn't a miracle. That was some old lady leaving the exact same time that you pulled in, all right? It just happened, all right? So what, what, am, what am I meaning by that is sometimes we really downplay what a miracle is. I believe it's a divine intervention from a most holy God. I believe a miracle is something that is almost rather impossible and God makes it possible. That's what I believe. And so when we sit there and we can say things like this, when pigs fly, we typically say that sarcastically with the notion of, you know what, it's just not really going to happen. But I know that I serve a God where miracles happen. I serve a God who's working and wants to do these things within the lives of those who love him and are serving him. So what is a miracle? It is when God in heaven simply does this, he just intervenes on earth. It's when an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God has an intervention in your life. That's what a true miracle is. And I believe that we are still living in the times and the day where God is all about miracle working. When our God intervenes, I'm curious, again, and thinking of the needs that you have within your life. We've got so many. You've got marital needs. You've got physical, mental needs. You've got spiritual needs. You've got relational relationship needs. Whatever it is, you know what it is? It's extremely important to you. Those things that you've been praying about, those things that you've been taking before the Lord. How about those things that you've been taking before God when we went through the, what, 21-day fast? You know, what I love is I, I sit back and, and I hear conversations of people of how God already has begun to move in the lives because of that simple obedience. And, 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 you know, for me, it's like this. I don't believe that God just moves in this moment because of our obedience, but I believe because of our obedience, it's like a chain reaction with God and with this Holy Spirit that he continues to move over and over for not just for me and my family, but for the generations to come. Simply why? Because of obedience. 
us acting in a relationship of faith, being obedient to God. Every miracle you see in the Bible falls into one of four categories. And this is really what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. And the first one, are, well, I'm not going to talk, say about today yet, but next week we're going to talk about this one, the miracle of healing. I believe that God still heals. Amen. How many of y'all need something for God to do in your life? I believe that God still heals. Not only heals in the physical form, but he heals spiritually. He heals relationally. Come on. God still moves. All right. That's awesome. The next week, we're going to talk about the miracle of protection. I believe that God divinely protects his people. Then we're going to talk about the miracle of provision. And what does that mean? That means God's providing. He's taking care of. He's helping us through those storms that we're going through or the lack that we might be uh, having within our lives. But today we're going to talk about perhaps, and this, I'll be honest, it's not really the most popular miracle to talk about when it comes uh, in, in the church world because in some ways it's either been overdone or underdone, all right? And that is simply this, the miracle of deliverance. When God does miracles over the forces and the powers of darkness, some of you you know, very likely right now, you might say, Pastor, I'm checked out now. This is kind of weird. This isn't the exciting messages of keep the change. Now you're talking about something that might actually creep me out. Well, you know what? It's in the word of God. We got to talk about these things. We are surrounded with and it's, live in a society right now that is so influenced over the power of darkness that if we are not educating ourselves, you will not be able to recognize what is of the enemy versus what is of your own mind. Now, last, what we're going to take a look at in Scripture and to build our foundation is this. Let's take a look in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We have the Apostle Paul here, and this is what the Apostle Paul is really, he's, he's kind of communicating. He's saying, we need to remember that Christianity is a battleground, all right? That the natural world that we see is not all that there is. We understand that because we know that uh, Paul was the one who, who authored, and, and I'm paraphrasing, and I do this almost every single message, Y'all should know this by now about me, that your mere existence on this earth is just a fraction. It's just a vapor of what your eternal existence really is. So Paul says these words, he says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, what? Enemies. In other words, here, here's what he's saying. You know, those people that you don't get along with, those annoying friendships and relationships that you have, those individuals that you argue things over face, on Facebook with, they're not really your enemies. Understand this, that what the decisions that are being made all throughout this land that we are not agreeing with and we will not agree with as a church. The enemy is not of the individual. The enemy is Satan himself. We need to become infuriated with him rather than with our neighbor. We need to take a stance when it comes to Satan and say, no, 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 not here, not today. This is not going to go down. I know what you're trying to do. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, let's go on. I got to stop. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we, are, but we battle against evil rulers and authorities of the what? Unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're doing battle against forces of darkness. We're doing battle against demonic spirits that are trying to come within not only our churches, within our families, within our circles of relationships. They're trying to come, what, within our nation and our society and humankind. These spirits, what is a demon? What is, a lot of people believe that a demon is a spirit of the dead. In other words, it's a haunting of someone who was. That's ridiculous. Demon is not a spirit of the dead. The place, in, in case you want to do a little research and understand, is I would encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 14, starting with verse 12. And also in the New Testament, in Revelations 12, verses 7 through 9. We see there what, that Lucifer is, is in another realm at this point within these two passages of Scripture. And he's coming into a, a, a competition, so to speak, with God. And you, you know what? If you're going to go into a competition with God, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to fail. Game over. It's not going to work. God always wins. But we understand that what happened, that he was, what, uh, you know, 
cast out of heaven and, 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 and a third of the angels that were in heaven. You can read that in the scriptures. It's there. It's all right there. I'm not going to tell you nothing that's not. Read it. You need to read it. All right. It's true. But a third of the angels in heaven were cast with him because they were following with him. And you, there's five I will statements or, or statements that Satan really makes, uh, especially in, in, I think, is in Isaiah 14, where he's talking about what? I, he's comparing himself as God. I will be exalted. I am the most high. I am like the most high. I am as equal. And so here you have within these passages of scriptures, these angels who are in, 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 um, in agreement with Satan, but what happens? They're cast out. What, are, what does the Bible say they're cast to? Earth. Fallen angels. So that is truly what a demon is. Now, God says there is no one like me. So God, what? He, he cast those down, and, and we see that, and, and those, those uh, fallen angels came here to the earth. So what do we know about these demons? That there's one devil, but there's also many demons. When an angel is to God, a demon is simply to Satan himself. Demons do uh, the work of the spiritual enemy in the dark realms. I, I told you this wasn't exactly the most popular and exciting message for you, but you need this. The whole Bible is full of truth. You don't just take away what you want to hear and add to what you hope to hear. You take it for what it is and what it says. We can't get around it, and you shouldn't want to. The two biggest mistakes, in my opinion, that we do when it comes to demons is this. First of all, if you have your bulletins, you can see right there, you see my outline, or go to version. it's in there. It's this. We overemphasize demonic influence. Overemphasize it. Watch this. In some church cultures, we overemphasize this influence. In other words, there's a demon under every rock. You can't blame every problem. You know, I'm broke because of the devil. You're not broke because of Satan. You're broke because you bought three dresses. You went out to eat at an expensive restaurant. You bought a new vehicle. That's why you're broke. Guys, notice how I pointed out the dresses for the women there? Guys, don't need dresses. All right. Man, I got some heat back on that one. Woo! Fiery darts. Ah! All right. You can't blame every problem that you've gone through because of the devil. Don't give him more credit. Don't make him more powerful than he is not. Understand that. Now, also in other cultures, here's what we do. We argue that we underemphasize the demonic influence. In other words, while not every problem may be caused by the devil, it might actually be because of your own decisions. You know, I'm unhealthy, maybe because you're eating unhealthy. You're choosing to do that. Are you following me here? You're overspending. Why? Because you're choosing to do that. Sometimes our wants, what, what happens truly? We become selfish. We allow a selfishness to come about us. But we also underemphasize the demonic influence. What do demons do? If we want to understand how God miraculously works over the power of darkness, we need to understand what the roles of the demon is. And here we go. Demons tempt you to sin. Demons tempt you away from the will of God simply to do this, to sin in life. Paul uh, was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. And he's talking about a group of people, and this is what he says. They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Understand, every trap that Satan tries to lay before you is simply to entrap you to do his will. He's not looking out for your own well-being or for your good. He's the opposite nature of who God is. God loves you. God has compassion for you. God wants you to grow spiritually and physically. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to flourish within life. Satan wants you to fall apart. Satan wants to bring condemnation within your life that what truly does this, what runs you away from God, where God wants to bring conviction that does this, simply brings you to him. Now, he says, 
their senses and escapes from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What will the demons do in some form or fashion? They will communicate to you. They'll convince you of their lives. They'll whisper to you. They'll go ahead. You deserve it. Watch it. Touch it. Drink it. Smoke it. Look at it. Go ahead. It's okay. Whatever it is, they'll do this with inside of you. They'll minimize sin on the front side. It's okay. Everyone else is involved with it. Times have changed. What was wrong is no longer wrong. We've dumbed down the word of God and the conviction and what is right and wrong to fit in within what we think our lifestyles should be or reflect what we want it to be. You do sin, uh, that, that we, we allow these things to become minimized within us. And then here's what they do on the backside of it, the demons, they maximize it. Oh, now look what you've done. God will never love you. Look how you've acted. Look, look what you allowed yourself to get involved in. Look at the decision-making that you're making. See, on the front side, it's okay. See, we need to recognize this. We need to begin to recognize this pattern that's happening within, within the lives of, of the Christ followers. Satan himself is wanting to entrap you. He's wanting to tempt you. Because he thinks if I can get you on the front side and entice you in, then on the back side of things, I can trap you right there by thinking you're no good, you're worthless. God will never love you and he will never forgive you. Secondly, here's what they'll do. Demons distract you simply from God's will. Paul, again, speaking to Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he said, uh, he's talking about God's spirit. He says, God's spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's, that just, that's bothersome to me. I don't want us to get to the place where we are allowing ourselves, just as that scripture says, that we will abandon the faith and follow the deceiving spirit. We cannot afford that within our lives. The, the church cannot afford, there's a world and a society out there right now that is so messed up that it is, and it is our responsibility to be the voice the voice of conviction, the voice of what is right and what is wrong. I can't stay off of that. We must project our voice so that it is heard and not be silenced. We must understand what the love of God through the compassion of God, but also through boldness and through what we have an agent in the Holy Spirit leading us to make a difference within our circles of influence, make a difference in our families and our jobs, making a difference within our society. You might take a little bit of Christianity and you might take a little bit of new age and here's what we do. We kind of put all these different things together. We kind of mix it up to become what we think a relationship should be with spiritually. We start putting all these things and we start taking from this, this view and that view so that why we can bring it together so it can fit what our desire is. Listen to me very clearly. This word is not according to your opinion. This word is about God's direction. Thank you. Not for me, for God himself. This word here is not what you can add to or subtract from to make it fit your lifestyle or what you want your lifestyle to be. You want your lifestyle to change? Pray about it. Let's seek after God. Come before the elders of the church. Let's be prayed for. Let's see God move in your life instead of compromising your views and your attitude. Instead of compromising sin and what sin is or what sin is not and start realizing and defining it through the word of God and living it out in fear and admiration to the one who loves you. What else can they do, these demons? Number three, they inflict suffering. There's a tragical, sad story about a father and a son. Uh, he's physically afflicted by the demonic forces, and you find that in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 17, starting right around verse 15, it says, and it talks about, it's talking about this dad who's hurting, he's, 
The son's crying out, but here's what the scripture says. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. What did Jesus say? Jesus replies, bring the boy here to me. Now, what? first of all, stop right there. Those in our Wednesday night Bible study know probably about where I'm going to go with that here in just a second. If you don't attend Wednesday night Bible study, it's a great time. Come out. It's awesome. I love, I love it. But watch this. You see there, he says, Jesus replied, bring the boy here to me. Always know this, and, and we see this throughout Scripture. Anytime that Jesus does something miraculous, of the miraculous, of the outstanding, taking what is impossible and making it possible, there's always a step or an act of faith. In this moment, Jesus could have looked at that man and said, no, he's healed, go on. That's not what happened. What did he say? He, he's requiring something to happen here. He says what? Jesus, bring the boy here to me. And then what does Jesus do? What, what does, what does, he does a, something awesome here. He says, Jesus rebuked the demon. Now, he didn't rebuke the demon until when? He brought the boy. That's very important. What does that mean? That means in this moment, the action was very loud from the father. There was a desperation. If you're desperate enough, you will come out of your comfort zone and you will do what is needed to be done. I can't help but to think maybe that dad was ashamed of his son and he kept him in the home. I don't know. We don't know the, the backstory necessarily in this. Maybe he didn't want to bring him out and, and go through that shame or that embarrassment. But in that, if, you're, if you're hard enough at it and you want God to do something, you will go beyond what your own attitude is and your own feelings. And you will, if you're serious, you'll do it. You will take the necessary step to see God move. You know, I want to see God move. I want to see God move in this church. I want to see God move in your lives. I don't want us to be a dry, dead church. I don't believe that we are. And as long as I'm here, I know that we will not be. Because I won't let you crack the whip. But I want to see God move within your life. I want to stretch you. I want God to stretch you. I want you to get uncomfortable because when you get uncomfortable, God is really starting to do something in your life. Because why? It's not about you anymore. It's strictly about him. Now, he says, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and the boy was healed at that moment. The demon was, he was inflicting suffering. But at the words of Jesus, in a moment, the miraculous, the boy was what? Delivered from his suffering. What do we know about Jesus? Why did Jesus come? We know that Jesus came to give life. And why? To give it more abundantly. We know that Jesus came to what? Set the captives free. We know that Jesus came, uh, he did not come to what? To be served, but Jesus came to do what? Serve. Jesus did what? He gave his life. Jesus came for those who are not healthy, but those who are what? Sick. Jesus came for the sinner. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. And he also came to do what? Set the people free. What is Satan's mission? Very clear. John chapter 10, verse 10, we understand this, that, G that Satan's mission was this, to what? Steal and to kill and to destroy. To steal, kill, and to destroy. Satan is not here to uplift and to love and to show compassion and grace and forgiveness. He's here to bring condemnation so that what it drives you away from the most holy God. But we also see in this latter part of that scripture where it says that Satan is here, what? To steal, kill, and destroy. But, but Jesus is here, what? To give life and to give it more. What's the word? Abundantly. Some might say abundantly. Look, you serve a God who is all about the abundance of your life. He loves you. He wants more for you. I'm not preaching a prosperity message here. I'm preaching truly what it is, and that is Jesus. Jesus wants to be in your life. He wants to be in every relationship. He wants to be in every decision that you can make. If you recall, last week we talked about David as he went before Goliath. And what did he do? What was, what was key in there? Before he even approached Goliath himself, we understand that he went to the brook or he went to the stream, 
and he picked up five, how many, five smooth stones. Now, typically whenever I go to pick something up, I, I usually like bend down to get it. I can't help but to think in that moment that as he went down, knowing that his enemies was right before him, a very, something that would be so impossible in the natural eye was right before him, but he knew that he served a God who could take the impossible and make it very possible. And so he demonstrated an act of faith. See, what, what could have happened in that moment, let's get back to that story with, with the father when he went before Jesus, he said, look, my son, he's suffering with seizures. There's something going on here. And Jesus what, said, bring him to me. There's a demonic influence. There's something happening. I don't understand. Jesus says, bring him to me. Now, in this moment with David, I get excited about this stuff. I'm sorry, because it's like revelation comes to me and I can't stand myself. But in this moment, there's a, David is, is before his enemy who is very real, very huge, and in a natural eye should wipe David away. But what does David do? He takes a step of faith and he goes before the Lord. He kneels down and he begins to pick up those stones. While he's doing that, I can't help but to think in my mind, Lord, I don't know what you got me into today, but you're going to get me out of it. <laughs> you know, you have a future. You have a plan for me. You have anointed me to be a king. Listen, God has a future and a plan for you. Let me tell you this much. The enemy might be attacking you, but he is not going to take you out. Because God is going to fulfill his plan and purpose and desire for your life. Never second guess God when it comes to that. God will fulfill what he has promised. So he's, stand, he's, he's kneeling down and he's putting that in. Now, at, at any moment, you know what? God could have looked at the pow, pointed that finger and zapped him. That's what I like to think. But no, what has happened? We know from that moment on, David picks it up. And the Bible tells us he does something very profound, very, uh, I wouldn't have done it. He runs at his enemy. He runs to him. He's running to his enemy in that moment. Why? Are you crazy, David? Maybe. Crazy for Jesus. Crazy about God. Crazy knowing that he's got a future and there's a plan and there's a promise over his life. And that what Satan made to destroy him, God was what? Again, gonna, I'm going to get in that message. I got to get off of that message. It's going to come back and use it for the good of David in that moment. But we see here that what, what, what is Satan's mission? He's, he's there to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what the prince of darkness is all about. What does he want to do? He wants to influence depression. He wants to influence thought, thoughts of suicide. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down for you right quick. I, in the last probably six to seven months, have read so many stories of pastors right now committing suicide. It just breaks my heart. It really does. We have got to be a strong church for one another. Showing love and stop backbiting one another. Showing compassion for one another. Because you don't know what the person's going on in their lives beside you. All you see is the facade sometimes that they throw up to try to, what, Show everyone that there's nothing really wrong when maybe there is something wrong. Show the love of God. Show compassion. Show understanding. You could be the conversation that saves someone's life. But Satan is there to, 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 to influence feelings of depression. He's in there to destroy your marriage. He's in there to try to ruin your testimony. He's in there to wreck your finances and to steal your joys. He's there to what? Obliterate your, your health. He's there to, I hate this, crush your children. This is not a game. Paul tells us that we are going against an enemy that is trying to creep in and to destroy everything that God has in plan and has planned for your life. What do we need to do? We need to recognize that we're in this spiritual battle. Should we be afraid? Do we need uh, to, to be on guard? I want to give you a big thought here. Um, this is for those of you that are, are Christ followers, for those who have been transformed by the, by the grace of Jesus. But if, if you are in Christ and, and, and you've, you've been changed, you've had that salvation moment, and you know that you are filled with his spirit, understand this. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. 
I'm going to say that one more time. You have a miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. As we fight in the battle, we need to understand that we are not fighting with our power, but we are fighting with the power of Jesus Christ. Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 1 tells us how we can tap into that. He says this, Jesus called his disciples to him and stopped for a moment. A lot of times people will go, well, those were Jesus' disciples. Those were the chosen. Those were the 12. Those were the, the close group. Understand, as a Christ follower, you are a disciple. So you need to know that as we go into the scripture. He says, Jesus called his disciples to him, and Jesus gave them. Jesus gives them something here. The same thing that Jesus gives them, Jesus is also giving to you and I. And it's just one word. I love this word. Say it with me. What is that word? The word is authority. Say it again. Authority. You have authority. Jesus has given you authority to what? Drive out the impure spirits, the demonic spirits, and to heal every disease and every sickness. Jesus has given that authority to us. It's there for our well-being. So what do I have or, or what I do not have is my own power, thank God, because I'm weak. I'm flesh. I'm not capable of doing what God can do. I don't want my power because I have none. But through the scripture, I have been given an authority by Christ himself. If you are in Christ, my desire, my hope is that you understand is that you have the authority in the name of Jesus over darkness. Because who do we serve? We serve a miraculous working God who gives you authority over darkness. Let's be honest. We often don't recognize is that there is a force of darkness trying to inflict division between you and your family, between you and your spouse. There's forces of darkness trying to not just damage, but actually destroy your children. Allowing anger to come out. Forces of darkness that want you dependent maybe on a substance or a lustful image to where you need something to, in order to get through the day or so you think you do. And what do we become? We become prisoners of these things. We can't go on unless we have this within our lives. I don't want to be a prisoner to anything. God has placed a spirit of freedom over me. Who the sun sets free is what? There you go. Now, what do we do when we recognize that every day we're in a spiritual battle? Battle. First thing is this. We'll give you a couple thoughts. Don't assume that every problem is a result of the demonic influence. I'm going to go back to that just a little bit. Because they're not. Sometimes you just did something wrong and you are in a painful world. And not every problem is a result of a demonic influence. At the same time, I also want you to understand, don't assume any problem isn't a result of a demonic influence. Pastor, this is so confusing. I get it. Yeah, it is. Some things you bring about on yourself, your own choices, your own decisions. You know, I love this. I, it, I'm, I'm going to, I've said this before, I think, anyway. And I've, had, I've heard people tell me, Pastor, man, the devil's working on me hard. Well, here, here's how I think of it. And this is my, my, my way. I'm going, well, the devil's not like God, so he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at all times. So it means if he's on you, he's not on me. Are you following me on that one? Not everything is of him. A lot of the, he can't be everywhere at one time. It just can't be. But you know what? When God moves, God moves in every life. And anytime he wants, He's everywhere at all times. God is more powerful. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? All right, so. Oh, it's on my, I think it was me. All right, cool. So anyway, anytime you have a problem, you have a battle, you have a temptation, you have a trial, there's a mountain. What I want to encourage you to do is pray for the supernatural intervention in your life, of a miracle-working God. What do we know to do? And we invoke, what we need to know and to do and evoke power that goes beyond what we have is this. 
Use in every area of your life the miracle working of God. Watch this. If you're battling anxiety or you're having panic attacks, it's easy for somebody to say, well, you just need to allow God to move more in your life. No. You do, but no. You know what? God has given great authority over with man to do miraculous things. If you're going through these things, find someone who specializes in it. And then pray for God to use them to work that out in you and see God do something. So many times we'll go, I'm putting my hands off and I'm going to put it in God's hands. I understand that. You are. I'm not getting away from that. But oftentimes God's will is for someone who knows about this to intervene within your life. Don't shut it out. Allow what God has influenced or given people um, callings over and anointings over to help people within their lives. Allow that to be used in your life. God will use them. Now, if you're going through emotional distress. Someone's abused you. Someone's mistreated you. Someone's harmed you. Go to a great counselor. Let them help and bring that transformation and pray for any type of deliverance from that demonic force. Because why? God has given authority to you over it. Here's one, and I got, I got to remind myself of this one right here. If you've got a child who's rebelling, be a wise parent. Do what is needed to be done to bring punishment within that home and discipline in that home, while at the same time praying God bring direction and lead and guide that child. We have a responsibility to do our part. You see, all throughout the scripture where Jesus did wonderful things, but he did it after what? Someone acted in faith, did their part. Now, maybe you'll be prompted to do some miraculous uh, ministry in your life, and, and, you know, Maybe, maybe God will use you to uh, impact someone else's life through, through, like I said before, a simple conversation of, what are you going through? What, what's happening? You know, I see, I see your attitude change. I see uh, your demeanor completely change. What's going on? See, sometimes we come in here and, and we have a you know, nice cup of coffee or pastry and we, we, we hug a neck or something like that, but you don't know, again, what's going through someone's mind. You don't know the pain the sorrow, you don't know the guilt, you don't know what's been entrapping them. I want to read a story, and, and I read this this week. A pastor was doing a pastor's conference in Hawaii. What a shame. I never get invited to go to those places, which sounds really fun, but this is what the pastor said. He's like, literally, they only had a few hours off. He said, we'd preach and preach, and then we, we had from two o'clock in the afternoon on the last day until nine o'clock that evening to get their flight uh, to go back home. So they spent that time, him and his wife, they wanted to go to the beach. Their hotel was just a distance from the beach. And so about two o'clock, they left the room. They walked a long distance to the beach. They sat down finally. And the pastor said to his wife, I feel like I'm being prompted to reach out to my friend. His friend's name was Ethan. And she's like, well, you need to do it. But he's like, but my phone is back at the room and it's about a half an hour walk back and our time is so constrained. Maybe that's not God asking me to do that. Maybe that's something else. And she's like, no, you need to respond to the prompting that was given. So it says that he went all the way back, and uh, he got to his phone to call Ethan, and he forgot about the time difference. It might have been 3 o'clock or so in Hawaii, but it was maybe some, close to midnight uh, back where he, was at, where he was calling to. So when he dialed, the, uh, Ethan picked it up and said, why are you calling now? And I thought, oh, I forgot about the time difference. And then he said it again, and his voice was shaking. And he said, why now? Why at this moment? And the pastor realized that the timing was something very significant. He said, I can't explain it, but I just know I was prompted to call you. And while Ethan had recently made some very significant mistakes, the pastor was worried about him, and his voice was shaking, and he said, why now? Why now? Why are you calling me in this moment? And the pastor responded, I said, because God wanted me to call you now. He says, I said, Ethan, 
are you considering harming yourself? He said, yes. And I said, are you considering taking your life? And he said, yes. And I said, do you have a gun with you right now? And he said, yes. And he was crying. And I said, do you realize how much the forces of darkness want you all alone and isolated simply to take you out? Do you realize how much that God loves you? He said that I'm sitting here on this beach in Hawaii with my wife. And he's prompted me to come back and to call you. The forces of darkness are real and they want to take you out. Do you realize how much God cares for you? That he's intimately involved and he knows and he cares at your lowest moment. And he says, and Ethan just began to cry and we prayed together. And I walked him through and I told him to go back and knock on, wake up his neighbor and sleep at his neighbor's house without his gun. And the good news today is that Ethan is a part of that church and is one of the strong leaders with him and his family today. You know, what we often, yeah, that's a great story. That's a great outcome. Not every outcome comes that way. You know, what is darkness? Many people will say, well, darkness is simply, it's the opposite of life. No, or light. Darkness is the absence of light. Who is Jesus? One of the metaphors of Jesus is this, what? I am the light of the world. If you are in Christ, the light of Christ dwells inside of you. John 1 and 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In other words, at any time there's a spiritual darkness, you walk into a room, light walks into that room, and a light always defeats darkness. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to understand that if you are in Christ, you have an authority over the darkness in Jesus. You have an authority that you could speak it verbally. I take authority over the forces of darkness that are trying to consume me or my family, my friendships, that are trying to come against my health. I come against, I bind the demonic forces that are trying to come against my marriage. Continue in that scripture in John 1 and 5, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against what? Evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world. We're fighting against what? Mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the pieces of God's armor. What are those pieces of armor? Simply this, what? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. I love this. The sword of the spirit, right? Which is the word of God, the belt of, of truth, the shoes of that are readied in peace. Goes on to say, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, speaking of the church, after the battle, you will be standing firm. You will be standing firm. Watch this. The scripture says, why? Because greater is he that is in what? You. Let's personalize it. Or in me than he that is in the world. You serve a great God. You serve a powerful, powerful, powerful God. And I'm so thankful that we as a church, that we choose to serve this God and that we allow the word of God to be our light, to be our direction, to be our sword. That this is not only protection, but it's also provision. So the miracle of darkness, the miracle of deliverance over the darkness, it's real. We've seen a great example of that through Jesus and how he took care of that young boy. But only because someone acted in faith and said, you know what, Jesus, we need you right now. I don't know what the darkness is in your life. Maybe it's a substance, maybe it's a relationship, maybe spiritually you're just having a difficult time. I, I don't know. Maybe it's emotional or mental or psychological. I don't know what it is. But I know that we serve a God who's much larger than it. And I know we serve a God that loves us. And I understand that we must do our part as well. Find the help that's needed while praying God move, help, strengthen, rekindle that fire again, clear that mind, Lord. Bring that healing into those relationships. I don't know what it is that you're going through 
But I do know this, it's extremely important to you. And I don't want any influence other than God in your life, and neither does God. He wants to be the ultimate influence. He wants to be the direction. He wants to be the law. He wants to be the one calling the shots. But you know, all of that means nothing. Everything that I've spoken about is meaningless. There's no meaning to it. It's not powerful at all, unless you have Jesus Christ in your life. That's the only way that darkness can be overcome in your life is first allowing Jesus to be the Lord of it. I want you to close your eyes this morning and I wanna ask this simple question. And the only response you have to do is slip your hand up. But if you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, today could be the day of salvation in your life. If that's you in this place and you wanna make that commitment to Jesus Christ today, I want you to slip up your hand right now. I see those hands. More importantly, God sees those hands. More importantly, Jesus sees those hands. Wow. Let's pray this together right now. As a church, all of us. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. Today I ask you, Lord, to be my Lord. Save me. Forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Be that light that I need in this dark world. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. We give the hand topic praise to Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, there's nothing like that. I, I leave here refreshed knowing that people care that much about the Lord and, and want to give their lives lives to him. And there's nothing like that feeling. I remember February the 6th, 1997, giving my life to Jesus Christ. Walking away from there, I was totally transformed from that moment. And I, I, can, I, can, so, I can see it in my head. I can see it right there. But you know what? Now, here's the application time for you with this message. This is you applying the word that has been given to you today. And that is simply this. You, you could say, Pastor, you know what? I've, I've got some darkness. There's some things that has been maybe trapping me in my life, trying to uh, squeeze out God and, and, and trying to maybe come against my marriage or coming against my job or my finances. Or, you know, Pastor, I, I've recognized these demonic influences within my life. And, you know, I, I, here's how I see a little bit. If they're fighting me, it's because God's got something great. Because Satan's scared of me. He's scared of you. He's doing everything he can to come against you, to bring division, to bring trouble. He's trying to be loud. Why? To overpower God's small, sweet whisper in your life. Those things that you, you found yourself dependent on, you don't need them. The only thing you need to be dependent on is God himself. That's the only thing your dependency needs to be. But if you could say today, you know what, Pastor? It's sometimes it's a struggle and I need God. I need God to help me. I want that miracle of deliverance in my life. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. This is a bold statement here. That's awesome, isn't it? I, look, I'm throwing up like two hands and two feet. I'm the pastor. Let's pray. God, you see every heart. You see every soul. You see every being in this room, Lord. And God, we're going through some stuff. We know who we are. We are yours. And we have demonic influence. We have darkness that's trying to creep in and trying to bring distraction and trying to bring division and, 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 and trying to wipe out the light. But we know that the light is never defeated by the darkness. And God, you are the light. And Lord, we're asking shine in our lives so bright. Father, give us what we need through your word. Give us what we need through relationship. Lord, bring the miracle of deliverance. Let us do our part. God, we're coming to you. We're saying, here we are, Lord. Move so that we can leave this place, God, and go, let's go. 
Let's do this. Let's spread your word throughout this land. Let's fulfill that great commission and make disciples and bring people to Jesus Christ. So God, the pain that's represented here is real. There's maybe people that can't sleep at night or maybe they find themselves just in tears, maybe in, in a lot of anxiety and depression, maybe even thoughts of suicide. I come against all of that right now because Lord, you come against it. I'm, I'm tired of what I see when I, I, I look into society and, and this world that we're living in right now, the things, Lord, that are not lining up with you. And God, we come against it. We recognize that, that the definition of Satan himself is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But God, even greater than that is you. You, Lord, give life. And your word says, God, that you give it more abundantly. And so God, show your abundance. Show your abundance in the lives of your people, of your children, Lord. Show yourself to be real. Move in every life, God. May we not become dependent upon anything other than you, Lord Jesus. So God, as we leave this place, we know today that you have spoken a word that is on time. That God, you have spoken a word that has challenged us. And God, that you have spoken a word, Lord, that you have just now brought change and the people in this room. We've seen it already through salvation of the lost, but now God, we're seeing that as you're, the darkness that might be trying to creep in, God, you are blocking it right now in Jesus' name. You are setting us up for what is gonna be a tremendous victory. So Father, we proclaim this promise. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.